Hello ladies and gentlemen this is Nishant and welcome to another episode of the Nishangar show I would like to start with my favorite quote from Anthony DeMello quote before awareness i used to be depressed and after awareness i continue to be depressed unquote my job on the show is to extract information on mindfulness personal development spirituality and basically everything which improves the quality of life my today's guest is melody allen she has devoted years of study to healing arts she has practiced meditation of over 15 years and she has been practicing reiki since 2016 and is currently a reiki master she is passionate about healing the mind and the body and has found that using both is key to healing when we feel stuck emotional pain can manifest in physical pain and many times the area pain is found in the body has a symbolic expression to the emotions stuck there she started her own healing journey because she wanted to free herself from the pain of her childhood trauma over the past few years she has become very interested in finding her life purpose around the same time she found her reiki mentor and teacher she felt really lost and started praying and asking god to show her what her life purpose was and she has been guided ever since she found that reiki works really well at healing the body and letting go of stuck emotions but she wanted to know how to guide people to their highest purpose that's when she discovered how to do the life purpose readings we all go through tough times negative feelings depression and sufferings we get to talk about it to heal it we get to be compassionate and kind to ourselves to feel what we are feeling and seek support there is no shame about it no one is perfect we all belong to the same community of human beings so please reach out when you need support and do not let yourself suffer and now let's begin this episode melody welcome to the show Thank you for having me. And uh, I really appreciate you for accepting my request to be on the show. And <laughs> I knew that you will be a source of healing transformation for a lot of people because you have been doing a lot of self-healing and healing, supporting others to heal in their emotional and physical pain. And you are a healing practitioner. So I would like to start with how did you get into this healing practitioner process? Oh. That's a really good question. Um I have always been interested in the healing arts ever since I was very young. And I actually discovered Reiki when I was about 12. I bought a book on it. It was like one of the first books I ever bought and I thought it was very interesting. Um and then I forgot about it for a long time. And I um About 4 years ago a friend of mine uh introduced to me to my current Reiki so they're called a Reiki master teacher and I've been working with her since and I just I adore her she's just amazing um and I've come mm-hmm. I've I've come through a lot with her I've healed a lot of stuff and it's just been a really fun a really fun and exciting journey and sometimes it's painful but on the other side of it is really amazing so you know, when you were 12 you started working on your healing process and you found out about reiki i'm not sure exactly what reiki is and i'm sure a lot of listeners may not mm-hmm. know about reiki can you elaborate more on that please what yes. reiki is <laughs> so reiki is a um it's an energy art so it's kind of the easiest way to explain it is it's considered a laying on of hands healing so you um you get initiated into reiki and then you begin um practicing like sensing the energy of a person's body and it's a really interesting process where as you practice you get better and better at it but you can really feel where somebody has pain or um something in their body and what i learned from being um 
going into sessions. It's easier, I think, to explain like how it how it happens in session rather than how it works because it's really hard to, for for me to explain how it works. Yeah, if it is possible for you to paint a picture of the Reiki process, just imagining that you have a client yeah. in front of you and and the client. Let's say I'm your client okay. right now, and <laughs> I don't know about Reiki, and I come to you. And what? How would you start doing Reiki? I'm totally new to this Reiki thing, you know. Okay. So how we would start is um, you can do it sitting or you can doing, do it on a massage table, which is my preferred way to do it so that the client can be very relaxed. And we would start the process where I would um, use my hand to kind of scan over your body to see if there was any places that felt um, warm, like warmer than the rest of your body or colder than the rest of your body. And then I would begin to kind of work on that area and ask you questions like, did you have an injury in that area or um, what maybe comes up? And sometimes what has happened with me when I'm the one on the table um, working with my teacher, she'll ask me about an area and it's just amazing what comes through about like sometimes it's emotional and it's just really profound to go, oh, wow, I didn't realize that. I was having a physical issue with this area and it was really linked into something I was feeling emotionally. So it can be very different um, for each individual person. Um, most people after a session say that mm -hmm. they just feel very relaxed, like as if they had meditated the, the whole time that they were on the table. And that's how it feels for me. Um, and a lot of people say that they have really good sleep for a couple weeks following a session and that they had um, some relief in an area that was painful. Some people say sure. that they have um, emotional breakthroughs, like they were able to deal with a situation that was bothering them before that they didn't really have a solution for. And some, hmm. they say that afterwards they seem to get some clarity around that issue and help and it's easier for them to resolve. So how long is that process on a massage table or somebody who's sitting? Um, I know. Mm -hmm. Is it an hour session or 30 minute session? It can be uh, 30 minutes. It can be an hour. Um, usually an hour is better because you can kind of get really deep into the process and work through the entire body. If I was going to just do a half an hour session, I would work just on maybe two or three areas that were really um, felt like either hot or cold or like they needed some attention. But with an hour session, you can usually go through the entire body. And what's really nice about that, because um, usually you start with the head and work your way down to the feet. But what's really nice about doing the whole body is our, our bodies are an entire energy system. Like everything inside of our bodies is connected. And so if you're having um, a lot of times what I found is once you come work on the the head, it really helps people calm their mind. And then that helps other mm -hmm. areas kind of release and relax um, through the session. So it, I think Interesting. it's, yeah, I think it's most important if you can do a full session to, to do a full session. I think 30 minutes are kind of like maybe if somebody's curious about it and they're not sure how they feel about it, or maybe, a, you know, an emergency kind of situation where you'd only have a short period of time to work on somebody. Those are when I would use a 30-minute session. So just imagining that a client or, or that person is laying on a massage table mm -hmm. and you're scanning their body through your hands. So how do you identify the pain points just by touching their body? It usually feels hotter than the rest of the body. And it's um, it's kind of like, you know, if you had a heater in front of you and you moved your hand, you know, if you're not, your hand is not in front of the heater and then you move your hand and it's in front of the heater and then it's off of the heater and you feel that area um, where it's hot, where heat is emanating from it. And that's what it feels like most of the time. Sometimes it feels actually like the area will be colder. Um, but most of the time, the sensation for me as the practitioner is that the area is hotter. And, uh, when it's somebody new who has never had Reiki before and they're not really sure 
about, you know, whether what they think about Reiki. They're just kind of trying it. Um, I, a lot of times, do not ask them specifically where they're having issue. Um, uh, when you say specifically in their area of their life um, or in their any, body? Yeah, any. Because what I do is I go and I look for the area and I stop in the area without having them tell me you know, hey, my knee is giving me issue or, hey, I'm having some problems with my back or headaches. I don't ask them to start with. Um, I just allow, you know, to scan over their body and find the area. And then when I find the area, I ask them. And what I found doing this is there is always a reason that that area is um, hotter or colder like that. There was a reason I needed to go to that area. And it's interesting because they're like, oh yeah, I had this injury, you know, however many numbers of years ago and I've been working on it and it still gives me issue. So it's interesting for both me and the client because they didn't tell me that to start with. I just went and found the area that was the most need, like in a way to say it, that's kind of silly, but speaking to me that it needed um, some extra attention has been very interesting. Yeah. So you just stop at that point and, and then you start asking questions or, or that person might start opening up. A lot of the time the person will start opening up. Um, It depends on the person who's on the table because some people are more talkative and they like to kind of talk through the process. And some people seem to kind of like to treat it like a massage where they're more quiet and passive and just kind of um, experiencing it. So Uh I like to work with whatever seems most comfortable for the client. So if it's something that they don't really feel comfortable talking about, I, I don't push it. Um, I just try to allow them, like I might ask a question and they can say, oh, I had an injury there. Um, and we can talk about hmm. that or they may talk about something emotional for them. And- okay. So what is specific? So for instance, if, if the client is starting to open up and what is specific questions would you ask them? Like if you want to go deeper emotionally, do you have specific questions that you would ask them? Actually, it's really um, an intuitive process. So it's based on what they feel. It seems like they feel comfortable about talking about. I might ask um, because so everything in the body, which is very interesting to find out, certain areas of the body seem to have certain emotional things attached to them. And if the person is um, comfortable with it, I might ask them, do you have an issue, say, with maybe not feeling supported in your daily life? And a lot of the times they will they will open up about that topic and maybe they'll say, well, I didn't really feel supported um, in this area by this person and it, it hurt my feelings. Or they may or may not go deep into it. It just depends on who they are and how they feel. And I, the main goal for uh-huh. me is I want whoever comes to feel comfortable. So sometimes emotional stuff can be harder for people to discuss more so than a physical injury. Interesting. So do you think we can heal physical injury through healing emotional pain and emotional injury? Yes, I do. Um, however, I will say that the I think they're interconnected in such a way that it's, I mean, it's really incredible. Um, some people who I have met are not particularly comfortable about talking about the emotional side of things. And when that is the case, I tend to like to maybe put them in a direction of something physical that they can do. Like if there is a um, like herb that they could look into to see if that might be beneficial for a particular area of their body or maybe they um, just need more rest in order to heal it, or maybe they actually need to get out more and do like walking and stuff to help. So I kind of like to use both. So this, this thing always amazing me. Why, why people do not talk about their emotional pain a lot of time and they are going through a lot of emotional trauma, but they are not willing to talk about emotional Mm -hmm. thing. What do you think in your 
aspect is a problem or the challenge? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, the main problem that I see is that the fear is more around um, not feeling supported by the people that are around them. Like maybe they've been shamed in the past. It is an old an old idea or an old belief um, that I've heard come up a lot that if you're having emotional pain, you're just kind of supposed to get over it. So it seems to make other people really uncomfortable to talk about it. And maybe because it reflects something in them. Um, the problem with that is it creates suppression for everybody because the person who says, I don't want to hear about how you feel is also suppressing you know, they're suppressing themselves and they're suppressing the other person where the person then doesn't feel safe to talk about what's going on. It's very, emotions are not logical in any sense yeah. of the word. They're very, um, it's about a feeling state and it doesn't have to be logical to say, Hey, you know, this happened and it hurt me in this way. And it may not be true that you intended to hurt me, but the way that the situation played out, yeah, I was hurt and this is how I feel. And it's hard to have that conversation with somebody without the other person becoming defensive and maybe getting angry or feeling attacked. So it's a really, um, it's, it's kind of, emotions are kind of a, a, a delicate situation when we learn how to talk about them honestly, because we need to say, I'm not blaming you but this is how I feel. And that's, hmm. I think the best way to go about it when you really need to have those hard conversations with people. Being, being open about your emotions and whatever we are going through in that moment. And some people can't take it personally, but we, our choice is to be open about it, whatever we are feeling in that particular moment. I think it's the best idea. There are instances where it actually may not be safe for somebody to discuss their feelings with a particular person. I mean, some people do not, no matter how lovingly you come at them to try to heal something, they may not be ready, willing, or able to discuss it with you. And to receive. Yes. Yeah. And so in those instances, this is where Reiki has really been a beneficial thing for me because what comes up in session can be things that I wasn't able to talk about for whatever reason or, um, as, or the client that they just weren't able to talk about because they, the situation, they didn't either know how, or maybe the situation didn't allow them to. And so part of being a Reiki practitioner is to be able to allow people to say what they need to say to move through it and, and offer, you know, compassion and love in that moment, understanding that it hurts, uh, emotions hurt just as much as physical pain. And so allowing them to move through that with someone And it else. may be, yeah, and it may be easier for the person to talk about because in, in that Reiki session, we, we are kind of strangers. Yes. Right? So it may be easier for some people to talk about their emotions with some stranger versus talking about their emotions with their loved ones. Yes. I think... I think it's, it's different for everybody. And that's why a lot of people seek therapy because mm -hmm. it's a stranger. You can talk about all your shames, your vulnerability. How do you think this Reiki is related to therapy? Are they kind of same or there are differences or can you please elaborate more on that? Sure. So um, an actual therapist, you have to go to school, which is what I'm doing. I'm going to college to become a therapist therapist, a family therapist. And so when you go to school as a therapist, you're looking at um, the, the neurobiology of the brain, you're looking at um, the environment. So you're, you're asking questions about, is this issue nature versus nurture? Is there a genetic component or is it, you know, the environment? And so it's a really um, scientific look at the way people are and the way that, you know, disorders or, or m emotional pain present in the body. Whereas for me, Reiki is a far more like spiritual experience. It's more, hmm. you know, connecting to, we are all, we are all deserving of love. We all want love. And it's just, it's given me a deeper perspective into 
why people act the way that they do. And, hmm. um, you know, you can look at it and say, well, this person is this way because they had a tough childhood. Or you can look at it maybe from the Reiki perspective would be that this person is this way because they never were able to say, I'm scared or I'm hurt in their environment and feel more connected with their parents and feel more supported with their parents. So I think it's all, all of them. I think when we're looking at emotional, mental and emotional healing, we're, we want to look at the whole person. We want to look at the, the physical body, the emotional body, and the soul of the person because that makes a big... Everybody is kind of on their own unique journey. And, sure. you, and I think part of it, I know some people don't think about spiritual kind of things, but I feel like the spirit is kind of just like how you feel in this life and connecting to other people and how you're able to kind of navigate hardships in a different right. sort of spirituality, way. Spirituality is the foundation of everything. It's the foundation of our emotional, mm -hmm. mental and physical well-being. So are you saying that therapy is more scientific and Reiki is more on emotional and spiritual side? Yeah, that, I mean, that's my impression so far. Um, I've, I've been to counseling before when I was younger and it was a really wonderful experience and it was, it, it's just so much different though. It's, um, because it's like, okay, well you have this, you know, disorder manifesting because of this and this and this, and it's, there's not really a lot of answers um, cognitive behavioral therapy seems to be the one that most people say is the best for helping to heal disorders. But, um, with Reiki, it's kind of, I don't know. It's just so gentle. It's, it's having that space where you can really be, um, vulnerable and gentle and not really worry. Sure. And it's not about what's wrong with you. I think that's a big difference between therapy and Reiki is it's not about what's wrong with you. It's about what is stopping you from healing. Like what is stopping you from being your best self and being happy. So that's interesting. Yeah. That's my perspective. on it. So when you were, when you were 12 years old and you started reading and practicing Reiki, right? Well, so with Reiki, you have to be initiated by a master. So I only got the part where I got to read it and see the logical stuff, you know, the outward stuff of Reiki and, you know, that sort of explanation. So I wasn't actually able to start practicing until I found my teacher. But it did lead me into um, finding that book really helped me, like, start a meditation practice. It really helped me to understand, like, some of the pain that myself or others may experience may be emotional, um, so it really just kind of, it gave me a different perspective than what people are used to seeing. So when was the first time you received Reiki? That was about, we're, we're almost at four years. About four, four years, years ago. ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to know more about your breakthroughs and healing, oh. your personal <laughs> healing in that Reiki process. So, so far, we have been talking about how Reiki works and what is the process and how it can help other people. So what have you healed in your life through Reiki? Because oh. that would be very interesting for, for the listeners. Yes. Okay. So this is kind of fun. <laughs> um, well, I, the, the neat thing about Reiki is learning that certain things are stored in my body in a certain way. And so um, where I'm at now it, it's just, I love it because I've come through so much that now it's about fun for me. So I'll be on the table with my teacher. And what I'm, what's come up for me lately is working on my heart. And I was like, wow, I didn't know, you know, cause it's kind of like appealing. My, my teacher says this, it's like an onion, like you're working on layers. So you kind mm -hmm. of start with the most immediate thing and then you work your way down and you work your way down until you get to these really deep le levels. Yeah. And so um, where I'm at now is just kind of fun. And, and I've built a, a really great friendship with my teacher where I can be crying and at the same time, joking and laughing with her and her laughing with me. And it just moves everything 
so much faster to have that fun and that joy in the session. It's just, um, it's really profound. Like for an, for an example, um, in our sessions, there is thought that, um, stubbornness, like when you have stubbornness in your personality, that it's in your knees. And so it, when, if for some reason on that day, she's working on my knees, we'll just laugh because I'm like, I don't know who's stubborn, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it, it, because we know it's both, we know it's true. I know it's true. And we just make it fun. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm still working on this. So would you, would you be able to elaborate on some of your healing processes uh, for, let me, let me rephrase my yes. question. So okay. <laughs> what, what breakthroughs have you gone through in your own healing process through Reiki? Um, maybe something if you want to talk about some childhood trauma uh, that you were able to heal or you are still in the process of healing I know that <laughs> this process never ends no, there is right. always something when we peel one layer there is always another layer to go deeper and deeper and the more mm-hmm. we peel the more layers we find out so what have you healed in the past and then I will come on to what are you working on Maybe if you if you can share some story from your childhood or how do you connect your healing process to that trauma? Okay, that's a very deep question. That's um, so it is. it is a very it's a very deep, and I've spent a lot of time in my sessions actually working through this because um, some of those beginning layers are the layers that are protective. Let's saying like don't don't get that close to me because I'm scared. A close, getting closer emotionally, Yeah, emotionally, because um, a lot of the stuff that I've had to work through, I've had to cry through. And what has happened is it's really, um, it's hard to say specifically, but what Reiki has helped me with the most is being able to be um, open and vulnerable and talk about the things that hurt. Um, so it's really helped me uh, have better relationships with people in general because it's um, like healing the pain inside yourself. You realize how um, how compassion is important for that for it everybody. Is. So it's hard to say like I specifically healed this thing. It's more like I have removed so many. Um, obstacles yes to connecting with people so that has been you know it just brings out your humanness (laughs) yeah it it brings out the part where we're like we're all feeling people and get emotional because it's been such a uh it's been such an amazing journey for me and uh, yeah i can i can i can can feel that you are emotional and i appreciate you for sharing your story uh, everybody it's it's really helped me with my relationships the most so relationships with your Fam- parents my yes well that i it's helped me with my my relationship with my mom and my kids and my friends and people who i'm close to and it's also helped me realize like some relationships were there to teach you things that were painful and you can't heal the other person you just have to go, wow, like that person is in so much pain and they're not ready to heal it. And I can't fix that or change that. So it's given me a, a different perspective on where people are at. Empathy. Yeah. So basically you are, you're healing yourself first and connecting with people, making relations, making relationships with people and relating to them where they are at instead of changing them or fixing them you are working on yourself first yes and and having different perspective about another person and creating and having compassion Mm -hmm. for others and compassion for yourself yes because something that's come out of this is I started saying when I was working with people and they were dealing with a different um, difficult relationship is you have to consider whether or not the person is ready, willing, or able. And you can't change that. If the person is ready, willing, or able, like they have to come with that to that in their own time. The only thing that you can do is heal the stuff inside of yourself. And it, it does have heal, 
healing the stuff inside of yourself has a profound effect on everybody around you because it changes your relationships to them it and, changes, and the world. And it changes the energy around. Yes, it, it absolutely does. I first, I, I realized how um, profound and how important self-healing was when I had read about, have you ever heard of the hundredth monkey syndrome or hundredth monkey effect? I have not. Please share something on that. So this was observed by scientists that um, they found this island. So it was isolated and there was some monkeys on this island. And what was interesting about these monkeys was that they um, were using tools in a different way that they'd never seen monkeys do before. So they thought this was really interesting. They're like, these monkeys have tools and this is amazing. And we've never seen this before. And then after that discovery, spontaneously all over the world, and these monkeys were on an island, so there was no way for them to communicate with other monkeys. So spontaneously, all of these other monkeys all around the world began using tools in a very similar way to what was observed on this island. And so the idea is, and, you know, this is kind of like woo-woo or spiritual, but the idea is, is that when we heal ourselves and we heal, we're healing all of the people around us because through our own journey, like learning how to heal yourself through your own journey, you're actually healing all of the people around you. And all that's of, profound. Yes. And there's a, um, I see it a lot where it says my healing is healing, you know, generations before me, the women before me, the people before me. And it's also healing the people after me. And it's so true. And I've just watched, I've experienced it in my own life as in, okay, I recognize that this is a challenge. Like maybe it's an emotional challenge or something that I need to work on uh, conflict or something that, you know, there, I have some emotional charge around and just recognizing like, I have the skills to get through this. And I need yep. to be in a space of love and compassion with myself and the other person. And I don't have to fix it or change it. But my energy, the person that I choose to be in the way that I choose to show up is going to make a difference. Yep. I, would, I would like to ask you that if, if you're going through any emotional conflict with another person, mm-hmm. how would you start opening up with that person? I know this is a communication. <laughs> it requires a lot of deep communication. So yes. do you have any... If you were like, or if you were like to share few sentences so that people can take it as a template who are very new to this process, (laughs) because it's difficult to communicate deeply. It's difficult for a lot of people. If you can share something so that people who are learning all this thing from fresh, they can take it as a template maybe, you know? Okay. Wow. So my first step with um, conflict is to do my best to not get into blame and to really kind of drop into what am I feeling now. And to, when I'm speaking to, the, to someone who there's conflict with, it's, I, it's, you know, giving them space to talk and say what they need to talk about. So I had a very hard conversation with my mom. Maybe it's easier if I tell it in a story. Sure. Yep. That's I awesome. had a very... Um, a, a conversation with my mom that I was not, um, it was hard to have about things that happened in the past. And um, I dropped down into my feelings and I said, I felt this way. And she became kind of defensive. Like I, her, her perspective was, I wasn't doing this intentionally. Like that was not what I was trying to do. And I said to her, I said, I am not blaming you. I said, I understand that you did the best that you could with what you had in that moment. I don't feel like it's your fault that that happened or, you know, the way that you reacted. I understand and it's okay. I said, I'm just telling you how I feel. And I'm not saying that it's your fault how I feel. I'm just letting you know, this is how I felt. And I don't need you to fix it. I don't need you to defend yourself. I just want you to know how I felt. And it just... Because you are... Making yourself free yes. of all those negative emotions. And because you're letting it out, you're not keeping it inside your heart. Yes. And it made a huge, an incredible difference in the way that conversation happened and, yes. and ended. And that's where we have a lot of practices. One of the practices is forgiving. Mm-hmm. If we can forgive others, it's a practice. It's not easy. It's so difficult when somebody has done 
really wrong thing to us mm-hmm. if can we really forgive somebody i remember i had i broke up with my ex girlfriend 5 years ago in fact 6 years ago mm-hmm. and in fact she broke up with me <laughs> let it let and i was having so much pain frustration anger resentments for more than a year yeah and when i started releasing that anger pain and all that frustration i became free and all the transformation started happening automatically when i became so free when there was no resentment inside of me you know i was able to forgive freely yeah um i love that you say that i love that you you kind of put that situation in there because the heart is so tender it is so soft and it's probably the hardest in some ways for people to open up because it's scary and it involves being vulnerable and it involves being raw about the way you feel and and sometimes feelings are they're not pretty and when we can have those really hard conversations with others in a in a loving way or even with ourselves it can really shift things and for me what has made a difference with allowing you know allowing myself to love and allow my allowing myself to be hurt from love is to recognize that every relationship that i've ever been in with anyone whether they're a friend or a romantic relationship is 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 a deeper learning experience for me it's learning how to connect with people in a different way it's learning how to talk to people in a different way it's learning how to love um more fully and since we are talking about love i would i would love to know how do you define love oh there's so much um i think love is where you just look at somebody and you go you're just amazing you're just so wonderful and i don't think that you're perfect i because i nobody on this earth is perfect but just something about you makes me feel my heart feel warm to be with you and i feel uh-huh. and that to me is what love is it's not necessarily romantic or you know yeah, erotic sort love, of love. but it's yeah. just like looking at this person say you know what i just love that about you i just love who you are the way you are and you know the the soul of you and i don't expect you to be perfect but i just love you you know yeah and i and saying i love you for who you are mm-hmm. not what you are supposed to be and i have personally struggled with defining love i used to put definitions around this concept and recently <laughs> what i learned is that how can i love somebody and i realized and i thought about it i read so many things about it then i realized love is something love or love can happen when i let go of that image of somebody that i'm holding on to yeah when i when it is when there is no wall when there is no image in between that person and me and when i can see that person through their soul from yes. their eyes then i can love that person for who they are there are so, um, people are imperfect oh yeah <laughs> you know we i'm full of imperfections we all are <laughs> but that's kind of the fun of life you know it's there's some like stigma around like we need to be perfect and i'm not perfect and then we shame ourselves because we're not perfect but when and yeah and shame and this shame actually comes from being perfect yeah. i'm not good looking i'm not <laughs> smart enough i'm not handsome then all this shame comes from you know it's uh it's so funny like the idea of of perfection and so when you let go and it's a process for sure of yeah, like for letting sure. go like i'm not perfect I'm not perfect here, I'm not perfect there, but I am the best that I can be. And there's just so much freedom in that. Just I am the best that I can be and I'm trying to be I think changing the focus from perfection or being so good at something to am I happy has made a huge difference for me. Am I enjoying this? Is this fun? If it's not fun, can I make it fun? maybe it's not for me and just instead of it being like i need to get this perfect is it fun to just be in the process of healing yeah is and that's it's been such a big shift for me like i'm taking a stats class and i'm like oh no i'm not i don't want to take this class but i have to take it and so i was feeling a little bit frustrated and i just decided i was like you know what 
I'm just going to go and I'm just going to have fun with it. I'm working in a group. Yeah. And I just started seeing my teacher as being silly. I was like, he's just so funny. And, and the people in my group, I just really enjoy, you know, working with them and talking to them and joking with them. And so yeah. instead of it and being hitting, this horrible thing, yeah. I turned it into something that felt fun for me. Yeah. And healing and healing doesn't mean that we don't get to feel negative things. Right. We can feel we can, all these negative feelings are going to come there natural. But mm -hmm. the process of feeling and understanding and being aware of the healing is that we can let go of all those negative feelings. We are not bound to that. Yes. We feel it and let it go. And we don't keep those negative feelings inside our heart, mind and body and soul. We just release it and <laughs> we can practice being free and not letting ourselves define from those negative feelings. Yes. And um, what you're describing is moving from like a reaction to a negative emotion to responding to it in a different way. To saying like, oh, I'm yeah. feeling this and, you know, maybe that means something and maybe I need to kind of look into that a little bit deeper and I can let it go. Yeah, exactly. And if I have to share this smaller story, I, mm -hmm. I live my first 29 years of my life being passive aggressive. I did not know how to process my mm -hmm. emotions. So I was keeping all those emotions inside of myself and there came a point when it busted when that emotional when that emotional mountain got busted you know it created a lot of bad relationships because yeah. i was keeping that for a long time and not being able to talk about it so it the outcome or the result is passive aggression when mm. we are not healing that emotional pain yes absolutely i mean it can manifest in in so many different ways for so many different people um yeah my struggle has been um, anxiety, really. Um, that's been a big one for me. I don't, I used to struggle with depression. I was diagnosed with depression when I was 12, anxiety and depression when I was 12. And, um, it took a lot for, I had to break down so many beliefs, even at a young age and just kind of learn a different way to think about the world. And when I came through depression, the way that I did it, it was, I was like, to kind of look at life as being um, beautiful again, kind of like a child where you're like, oh my God, look, it's spring. This is, I still get excited about this. Huh? There's flowers and spring is coming and I'm so excited for spring. And then summer is, oh my goodness, the weather's going to be warm and there's going to be fruits and, and vegetables and I can go swimming with my kids or go on hikes. And then fall is like, oh, fall is going to be beautiful with all of the beautiful leaves and, you know, the festivities and the harvest. And then winter is, okay, it's time to rest now. And, oh, I hope it snows because I love the way that snow looks, you know. So it's just yep. finding that beauty in every day that makes you excited. And that's what moved me through, like, you know, even difficult situations with people um, moved me out of depression into being able to experience and enjoy life and be present with life again. So that depression, when you were 20, when you were 12 years old, not I, 21, I was 12 very years young. old. I was yeah. very young. <laughs> so did it come from any incident or yes. through some genetics? Yes, it, it did. Um, I don't want to speak too much um, on it for you know, people's privacy or whatever. But, um, the easiest way to say it is that I had, I was brought up in a, um, less than ideal environment. Um, and I was under a lot of stress from a very young age and, uh, I, it, it brought on depression very early and anxiety for me very early. And I've spent a lot of my life, most of my life, um, healing that. I mean, I've had Right. Stuff. Yeah. I'll have some things kind of right now I've worked through depression and I feel, I don't feel like that's a thing for me. Like you still get sad about things like that happens, but I don't want <laughs> it own me the way that I have in the past. Um, anxiety has been a little bit sneakier because when you have anxiety or when you're used to anxiety, which I was at a very young age, anxiety can, um, can kind of it's just sneaky in a way where you will make yourself busy like sometimes people who have anxiety will be busy they don't know how to relax and that's because 
they're kind of in this state of anxiety. And so instead of, um, you know, going like, wow, I'm anxious and I need to breathe. They're like, okay, you know, they get breathless and I need to do this and I need to do this and I need to do this. And then they go to bed and they're exhausted, but their brain is still going because they're in anxiety. And so, um, that's been something that, especially more recently, um, that I've been looking at again, like I've come a long way, but I still have some work to do around it. Yeah. And it's always a, it's always mm -hmm. a process. And uh, let me ask you about depression. Mm -hmm. So what, what practices did you adopt to overcome depression and to work on it on a regular basis? So for depression, I actually dove really deep into it when I had, um, when I've had really, I've had like three major bouts with depression. And what I found is, um, going for walks outside is a really, it's really great for just being out in the sun and getting out of your space and listening to the birds. But the other practices for me was like journaling was that's amazing. Um, yeah. Journaling really helped. Drawing helped. Um, poetry, like, cause you, you know, some people are like, I can't write. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you think you can't write, just write it down. So it's out of you. You don't have to show anybody what you wrote. You know, it's just about expressing it. And so yeah. <laughs> I, I looked at depression as like, what am I sad about? Why am I sad? And I just like really looked at it in its most raw form, you know, for me and, and felt my way through it. Like I would be writing in a journal, just bawling my eyes out. And then I would get to the end where I had cried and cried and cried. And by the end of, you know, journaling, I would be like, but there's all of these people who love me. There's all of these people who support me. The, you know, I can giving different perspective, yeah. giving different meaning and find, and instead of in, uh, avoiding it, like going through it, writing, especially writing through it, you know, when you don't have somebody to talk to. And then just by the end of it, I just felt so much lighter. And I felt like, yeah, I had a change in perspective because I, instead of saying like, I'm so sad about these things, I have all of these things that are good in my life. So how do you define depression? Oh, um, well, now I'm a psychology student, so people consider depression. <laughs> In your, yeah, because depression, <laughs> uh, dictionary definition is, you know, going deep into yeah. pain, fear. So how, so in layman language, if, you know, how, how would you define depression? It's just kind of like having a, you know, that cheesy Zoloft commercial where you have that, like, this cloud just following you around. So you're not necessarily always feeling like, bawling your eyes out, but maybe on a really subtle level, you just feel kind of like blah or not really like you're thriving or you're alive or you're, you know, it's mm -hmm. just feeling kind of in a lot of ways numb. And yeah. I think that's why diving into the actual sadness instead of trying to avoid it or sidestep it yeah. is important. Doing something about it. Yeah. Like saying, Hey guys, or Hey to yourself and on a journal, in a journal, like I'm sad. And this is and, why I think I'm sad. Yeah. And you know what? Everybody goes through that. Oh, yeah. Everybody goes through some or another kind of depression on a regular or some momentarily. Everybody goes through that. I go through it, honestly, sometimes. But I have tools. I would journal. I would go for walks. I would leave everything and do nothing. Yeah. I would just meditate, you know. Those are all and, great. Uh, and it just, this saying from Anthony DeMello, which giggles me every time. <laughs> he, what, what he mentions that in his book called Awareness, that it's okay to have depression. Mm -hmm. And his, his quote is, his quote, I used to be depressed when I was not aware. Mm -hmm. I used to be depressed when I was not aware. And now when I'm aware, I continue to be depressed. <laughs> so basically what he's saying, it's okay to have all those negative feelings or depression, whatever you call it. But if you have awareness, you can do something about it. So he's saying he continues to be depressed, but he's aware now. He doesn't mm -hmm. blame other people. He can do something about it. He can have all these tools. And one of the tools that I do it occasionally with myself, whenever I'm going through a tough time in my life, mm -hmm. I would write a love letter to Aww. myself. 
you know writing a love letter <laughs> just imagine you're writing a love letter to your any family member or any loved one you know just imagine you love yourself mm-hmm. and you are writing a love letter it's not about being narcissistic or yeah. something like that it's about simple plain writing a love letter to yourself dear nishant or dear melody or something <laughs> dear xyz that's a beautiful practice that sounds lovely <laughs> you know and and forgiving people and yeah. forgiveness doesn't have to be explicit sometimes some some it it can be internal you know you can forgive somebody internally yes in your in your own soul in your own mind and heart that okay i forgive you i don't have to make it public mm-hmm. i don't have to put it on social media that i forgive you right i can forgive you internally in my own mind in my own heart yeah and then the breakthrough transition happens yeah i think forgiveness became so much easier when you know just realizing that we're all on our own journey and we all have different things inside of us that we may or may not be talking about and most people treat other people badly or don't do maybe the nicest things when they have stuff that they ha- are not necessarily ready willing or able to look at because it's painful for them um and that's really helped me to see like they're just they're on their own journey and it's okay yeah yeah i would i would like to touch upon meditation i know <laughs> and uh, that you have been meditating for last 15 years yeah so? <laughs> a long yeah. time so what kind of meditation do you pursue uh, every day i like to do different types of meditation and i think when i first started i was just working on um getting inside my body like kind of i was looking into like the chakra system and so i was like ooh what is this this is interesting and so i was um you know i would go into where the area of the body so your heart is easy for everybody to know where that one is so if you were going to go meditate on your heart and you wanted to use like some of the ideas from the chakra system i don't know what the actual system what is, is but what is chakra um chakra is they're considered the energy systems of the body and you have seven in your body so the first one is the root at the seat the second one is called your sacral and that's a little bit b- below your belly button the third one is your solar plexus and it's um, around your diaphragm sternum area and mm-hmm. then the heart chakra is the heart <laughs> throat mm-hmm. chakra is in your throat third eye is between your eyebrows and then there's the crown chakra on yes. the top of your head and they're considered i don't remember what the practice is i do believe it comes from india but i'm not sure hmm. where they're discussing that these are like the energy centers of the body um and that if there's dysfunction in one of those centers it can manifest as physical pain or you know an, an illness of some sort so when i first started i actually was looking into energy stuff because i'd found out about reiki and i was just fascinated and so if you were going to do your heart like meditate on your heart maybe heart have, chakra yes your heart chakra and each one of these centers has a different color and they're easy to remember because they are the rainbow so your heart chakra is green and so if i was going to go into meditation for that i would sit and you know focus my attention into my heart and i would think about you know the most lovely beautiful color of green that i could imagine and just kind of sit with that huh. that feeling so do you head. imagine do you imagine green things in your meditation sometimes i'm the my favorite color of green is when the like right between spring and summer where the leaves are coming in and you're underneath like a like a tree canopy and the sun is coming through the leaves and it's like this golden green color and so when i want to focus on like the heart chakra that's my favorite color of green and that's the one that just speaks to me the most and so i will get that image of you know the sun coming through the leaves when i go there but then i start to focus on the color and sometimes it'll bring up sensations when you when you do these like working in different areas you'll have you'll be like oh wow that's um maybe an area i was struggling with and i didn't know yeah. so it's just a, it's like an adventure i've done yeah. other meditations where i've focused just on um breathing 
just like how deep and long and slow can I breathe? How relaxed can I become? Would you would you like to give a small demo of breathing meditation for someone who is new to meditation or because a lot of people struggle with meditation? Okay. Yeah. So with uh, meditation, I think there's a misconception that you're supposed to try and beat your thoughts back that you're not supposed to have any thoughts and, and that if you do, you're wrong. You're wrong. <laughs> and yeah. so I think that's where people get kind of scared. So with a breathing meditation, with um, if I just wanted to focus on breathing and relaxing, I would um, start with taking a few just relaxed breaths to get into the mindset that I'm meditating. And then I would notice how deep that breath is coming into my body. So if it's really high and shallow in, in the upper chest and shoulders, then the next step would be for me to, you know, just breathe in a little bit slower and a little bit longer until it starts to come down deeper in my body and deeper. And then the focus that I, I put is like that I'm breathing for my entire body. So I do it one step at a time, starting with, you know, the upper lungs working to the lower lungs. And then I'm dropped, like using my whole body to breathe deep and slow. And it's, I, mm -hmm. it's just a really fun experience, but if you do it one step at a time, then as you're breathing deeply, then you're focusing on your legs and then you're focusing on your toes and your, your hands. And then you're just allowing, you just become more and more relaxed as you're breathing slow and really dropping into your body. And so if you have something to kind of think about, like I'm breathing deeply and slowly to fill my body with oxygen and nourish my mm -hmm. body, then it's easier to meditate because you're giving your, your monkey mind a task and yeah. then you're physically doing an activity that's relaxing your body and allowing you to let go, you know, and just relax. I think just breathing, relaxing. Yeah, yeah, breathing is is a great tool to to relax our body. Mm -hmm. We know that we are breathing all the time, but when we breathe obnoxiously <laughs> from our nose and mouth and release it from our mouth, then it's an oxygen to our. It serves as an oxygen to our brain. Yeah. Well, and this is so powerful. <laughs> it is very powerful. I actually, uh, before we did this interview, you asked me about, you know, what books I recommend. And yeah. one of the books that popped up and I haven't, I actually reordered it because I had loaned it to someone and I was like, oh my God, that book made such a big difference for me. It was called um, The Relaxation Response. Relaxation Response. Yeah. Oh. Um, I can't remember the author. It was Herbert. Um, I can't I'll put that in the show notes. Yes. So the Relaxation Response is about dealing with depression and anxiety through, you know, these other methods other than, you know, drugs or cognitive behavioral therapies. And what he says in this book that really just stuck with me is the difference between shallow breathing and deep breathing for the fight or flight, because when we're anxious and we're stressed, we're breathing in slow and shallow and fast. And that tells our brain that there's an emergency, that there's something to be stressed out about. But if we start to breathe slower and deeper, that tells our brain that we don't need to be in fight, flight, or freeze, that we're safe. And we can relax and knowing that just, it made a huge difference. And I've experimented with that. Like, you know, if I have an experience where I'm like really anxious going through and breathing, or if I'm, you know, getting stressed out, maybe if, if I'm having a tough conversation and I'm starting to feel myself get anxious, like remembering, okay, I just need to breathe, breathe. because I'm yeah. going to respond better in this situation yep. if I'm more relaxed than if I'm stressed you know fight yeah. fight or freeze mode and basically you know we are we, we are delaying those anger and that reactive mode when we are breathing you know we are letting ourselves and allowing our negative emotions to let it go i remember one time in at my work i was having some conflict with my coworker mm. and he was saying some really bad things to me mm. and i really wanted to respond in a good way so basically i was just breathing myself internally <laughs> you know, I was breathing so that I can relax and it does wonder a lot. You know, I, every day, if I'm feeling anxious or stressed out, I'm always breathing every time now. You know, it, it does. It's a magic. It, very, it really is. It's so 
and it's so easy. It's something we all have access to. Yeah. You know, it's co- free. It's free. That's right. It's free. The only part of the practice is, is you have to say, Oh, I'm feeling stressed or anxious and I just need to kind of remember to breathe and, right now. <laughs> yeah. And that's where mindfulness comes. Mm-hmm. You're mindful that you're feeling anxious or you're having this feeling now. Okay. It's yes. okay to feel this way. I can breathe right now. There is nothing wrong with me. I don't mm-hmm. have to judge myself. I don't have to beat myself for this thing. It's okay. <laughs> I'm feeling this. Now I can do this. This is a tool. It's a free tool. You know, we yes. don't have to pay hundreds, <laughs> hundreds of dollars or, you know, if people are listening in different countries, you don't have to pay in your own currency. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what's amazing. That's, um, you know, because I'm going to school to be a family therapist and I've experienced or been practicing Reiki. And the farther I go into my journey, the more I realize I just want people to be happy. I want them to learn how to, you know, deal with conflict in healthy ways and learn how to bring more joy to their life. You know, let go of some of that stress because some of that stress that we feel, some of the stresses that we feel are not ours to carry. They're just ideas and opinions that don't belong to us. Yeah, and stress is normal yeah. in this culture and society. It's okay to be stressed, but it can you be do good something about sometimes. it. Yeah, if it's yeah, it can. If, if it's used properly, sometimes stress is okay. But when it's ruling your life, you know that's when you've got to start thinking like, "Ooh, maybe I should look into some breathing exercises, or you know, get some dif- uh, different perspective on some situations, so that I can yeah. relax." Yeah, and I, I was I was learning. Actually, I'm learning yoga these days. So oh, I was wonderful. in my yoga session. So the yoga teacher said there are four steps in breathing exercise. So it's not just inhaling and exhaling. Mm-hmm. So when we inhale, this is the first step. Second step is you pause. Mm-hmm. Inhale, pause. Third step is exhale, and then you pause. Yeah. Four steps in that inhaling, exhaling process or in breathing process. You can go into some very deep meditations using that method with the pauses in between. You know, it's good to just breathe deeply. But when you add in that pause, it it can really make a big difference in your meditations. Uh, what what advice or recommendation would you do to somebody who is totally new to meditation and who is not knowing how to get started on meditation? How they can get started on this, basically? Ooh, that's good. Um, I would say just like, you know, give yourself three minutes when you first start. Just start really small. Don't make it a big deal and make it something where you're going to beat yourself up over it if you feel like you've done it wrong. Um, Just the easiest way to get into it is to practice your breathing. And you can do that anywhere. Um, And as you get into that and start to feel some benefits from that, you will naturally want to do more of it. Um, So I would just say start with where you're at. Like if you don't feel like you have time to meditate. Maybe, you know, you're feeling stressed and you're driving to work or driving home from work. Then take some deep, slow breaths then and yeah, just and, start that way. Yeah. And practicing silence. Yes. Sitting in silence. If you're driving car, you can, you can practice silence by not playing music sometimes in maybe one minute or two minutes of silence because silence can be tough for a lot of people oh silence is once you you, once you make friends with silence it's so beautiful because that's where all your insights come in that's where you allow you are able to just get that insight that says oh you know what this is bothering me and i don't have to let it bother me anymore or like the solution comes in it's just um silence is golden that's amazing yeah. yeah, I don't remember who mentioned either Deepak Chopra or Wayne Dyer that mm. silence is a way to know yourself. It, I would guess it would be Deepak Chopra, but I'm not sure. But I agree. Silence is that is a great way to get in because you don't have anything distracting you. And all you're there with is your thoughts. And so you start really observing like, ooh, I'm having this thought and why? But sometimes even just noticing it, like you're talking about mindfulness, just noticing that the thought is there allows you to let it go. It's like, oh, I don't need that anymore. <laughs> okay. And thoughts are going to be there no matter oh, yeah. what you do. <laughs> Definitely. But it allows certain thoughts. Like so you go, oh, well, I didn't realize that I was 
you know, stressing out about this. And I actually maybe don't need to think about it that way. You know, the thoughts, like you said, they will always be there. They will always come up. But you're when you're the silent observer of your thoughts of like, I'm alone and I'm in silence and there's no input coming in right now. And these are the thoughts that are cycling through my mind and just becoming aware of them. It just kind of takes the noise out of your mind. Yes. And you don't have to spend so much money in learning meditation. Basically, no. You can just start <laughs> practicing by sitting in silence it's in your a, living room. Yes. It's like God's gift. Like I will, you know, meditation is going to be so beneficial for you. You just have to make time for it. And that's just a beautiful thing. Yep. Um, my last question would be to you is, What's the impact you want to have on this world? Oh, I want people to be able to, I want to help people be able to really like love themselves and be able to um, be, just become happier and have better relationships and better conversations and feel more connected to both themselves and other people in a more authentic way. Just giving people permission to be themselves and have feelings and um, the joy that comes from that is, I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you for sharing everything. Well, thank you for inviting me to be interviewed. It's been amazing. It's been amazing conversation with you talking about meditation, healing, mind, body. It's amazing. And people need it. Thank you so much. They need it the most. Thank you so much, Melody, for being on this show and uh, it's amazing you are awesome oh thank you and you're what you're doing is amazing too i love seeing that you're going out and you're interviewing interesting people and just kind of looking at different perspectives and how real people deal with things i think it's beautiful thank you you're welcome to everybody out there thank you for listening and you can subscribe to my show the nishant gurk show to get the updates on future guests. So thank you again.